Good morning. How is everybody? Good? Good. I heard that over here. Well, welcome this morning. My name is Melody. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm happy to see all of you. This is where you say, we're happy to see you, Melody. Come on. Okay. Like, it's my day today, so come on. Is it your day today in here, moms? Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun day. It's a fun day as much as this day has all sorts of emotions around it, would you say? It is a very difficult day for some. It is a very, um, can I say crappy? Crappy day for some. Uh, It is a very wonderful day for some. It is very celebratory. Uh, I feel like I'm all around the boat because my mom is not with us anymore. And uh, as much as she was my mom and the woman who brought me into the earth and I was there for, she was there for my first breath, I was there for her last breath. Um, Yeah, praise God. Uh, She was a very complicated lady. (laughs) And our relationship was very very complicated. And I know, I know, I know that she loved me and I loved her, but boy, we had funny ways of showing it sometimes. So however you are celebrating today, if today is difficult for you, our hearts are with you. If today is fun and celebratory with you, we celebrate with you. Okay, we are a community and we're all in this together, yes? I told Grant, I have a song today. I have a song, ready? We're all in this together. Come on. I don't know the rest. That's all I know. Okay? Very good. We're all in this together. Uh, I love you too. All right, moms. Did you get a raffle ticket? We have a little giveaway. Did anyone not get one? All right. We got some over here. Either you avoided the raffle ticket man or you came late or whatever it was. Let's go. It's not Father's Day, you can't take all day. (laughs) Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? There's this really, there's this really fun, fun, fun um, family that I follow on, I don't know, one of the platforms. And he's a dad and he says, he has this construction company and it's called A Couple More Days. Because how long is that, how long is that porch? You got some over here, honey. It's okay. Got to point things out. So, um, so it's, a, it's a family and the dad says he has a, a couple more days construction because how long is that porch going to take you? Just a couple more days. You put that porch light in last year and it didn't, it didn't work. When are you going to fix that? I just need... A couple more days. So now he has coined the phrase, couple more days construction, which I love. All right. Now, are you ready? Yeah, are you sure? All right. Well, I, need, I, I still need your help over here, darling. And where is my son? Come, son of mine. So I celebrated by getting my car washed and detailed by my five favorite people in the house. That was fun, and um, that probably lasted a little longer than it should. What else did you do yesterday, Josh? Do you remember what you did for me? What'd you do? We planted succulents outside. We planted succulents outside? Were you so excited about that? Yeah. (laughs) He knows. He knows summer vacation is coming up, so he's like... I gotta get on mom's good side. (laughs) Because if not, I have, I leave them a little schedule when I leave for work. It's a good schedule. All right, mamas, we are giving out these lovely little vases today. So if you are ticket 473692, 473692, going once, going twice, 473692, nope. Is, Is that Cecilia's? You have Cecilia's in your pocket. Come on, man! 473692. No, okay. Okay, we're moving on. 473720. 473720. Marilyn Faber! Da 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 da! 
All right, all right. Four seven three seven two four. Four seven three seven. Oh, Isabel, right there. Raise your hand, real high, Isabel. Okay. Four seven three seven one four. Four seven three seven one four. Oh, very good. All the way in the back. All right, I'm going. Four seven three seven one three. Who walked in right before that? Four seven three seven one three. Come on, oh, over there. Very good. How many else do I have? Okay, I have two in my hand. Four seven three seven one zero. One zero. Oh, Grace. All right, four seven three seven one two. Four seven three seven one two. Oh, there we go, Gabby, yay! How many more I got? Two more, four, seven, three, seven, zero, nine. Oh, Barb, right in front. And four, seven, three, seven, one, one. Oh, Linda, right in front. All righty. For the rest of you mamas, for the rest of you mamas, don't be sad because I do have a little gift for you on the way out. That is for the mamas who are present. I know some of us are gonna see our mamas, our grandmas, our aunties, our neighbors. Blah, blah. We are gonna give it to the mamas present, okay? Um, so you can give it to her later. She has a little sad face because grandma didn't win, but you can, you can be the first one to get the succulent off the cart for grandma. Deal? Deal. Okay, she looks so sad. <laughs> Okay, what do I have to do up here? Let me get to it. Um, welcome. Are you happy you're here today? So far, you're like, I don't know, 50-50 right now, Melody. You're taking a really long time. That's okay. It's Mother's Day. Um, I'm going to, at the end here, I'm just going to pray for all of us, moms who are with us today, moms who are far, moms who are um, gone too soon, moms who we just don't have a relationship with, I will pray for all of the above and in the between, and um, we'll join together in that prayer, okay? But right now, I want to do a couple of things. I want to point your um, attention to the screen. We have a couple of pictures to show you. Um, let's start with the first one. Electra, can you bring it up? We, we were very, very present in our community this week, and... One of the things we did, can you see there? That is at San Dimas Retirement Center. And a few ladies went to paint nails for moms at the retirement center. And um, it was a good time. Ladies got their manicure. And it was a very, very sweet time. Again, we are taking church outside of these walls. Okay? Uh, the next thing we did, the next thing we did was San Dimas High School had a training and we provided some beautiful platters and um, crackers and water and it was just a way to say, hey, listen, we, we're here for you, we support you, we love you, we're across the street, our, know our name, we are New Song and we love you guys. So we took church outside of the building. Um, the other thing that happened, yeah. The other thing that happened um, this yesterday was uh, we had the youth group take over the garden. And we had so many kids out there yesterday. It was beating hot sun. And they were out there and they were um, weeding and turning compost. And do we have a couple pictures? I think we do. Um, they were out there doing all sorts of things. Uh, I don't remember anymore without the pictures, but uh, they're, they're going to pull it up, hopefully. Um, what else did we do? What else did you do? Youth, you were out there. The boys' back table. What else did you do? Planted lettuce. Anything else? There we are. What are you doing right there, Grant, alongside Josh? Weeding. Okay, very good. Uh, there's Steve and Sophia. What were you doing, Sophia? Radishes. I love it. All right. Uh, and then any, any more pictures? Are we going? Should I move on? I'm moving on. Yes? Okay. And uh, the other thing that I would like you to know, ladies, moms, 
and people here who have partaken in all the goodies this morning, and please partake on your way out. Um, we have Madeline's for moms out there and lots of goodies. And you'd think, you'd think that, you know, what a beautiful setup. There must have been a woman behind there. Nope. Can we show the picture of my two helpers? Look at Pete and Mike. Where are you guys? They're right there. You didn't even know. I'm super sneaky. But they were out there and they were plating and cheering and, you know, doing all the things. So thank you guys so much for setting up the beautiful, the beautiful um, appreciation for moms today. So a um, couple of last things here. Um, Student Ministries uh, has a camp coming up at the very end of July into the first week of August. So parents, you have that information. If that is something that anyone needs more information about, please catch Grant and I afterwards. Um, and the other thing is that next Monday night, women, we have a hangout at Glendora Marketplace at 6.30. Next Monday, 6.30, come eat tacos, get a boba, a, I was going to say a Sophie. Um, what is it called? A smoothie. I don't know. I don't know where I was going. Um, and men have a hangout the following Sunday at the same place. Different time, same place but uh, Sunday night at 5 p.m. So again, any more information about that, please um, connect with Grant and I, and you can always, always, always fill out a connect card and um, fill it out with prayer requests, or, well, actually, there's a prayer card for that, so do that. Um, but if you are visiting us today, we would love to have more information um, and just how to connect with you and make you a part of our community. Because we're pretty aggressive about that, would you say? Yeah. A little bit. We'll chase you a little bit. It's fine. But not too much. Not like creepy much. Just, just enough. I don't know. Grant and I were looking at each other like, what's wrong with us today? I don't know. This is what you get today. All right, would you join me in prayer today? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for uh, this time. Thank you that we are able to come together today in this place and um, just be with each other, be with um, maybe our family that's here, with our friends that are here, whatever the case may be, God. If we walk through those doors and we feel alone today, God, God, I pray that, um, that we would feel seen and loved, God, just by maybe a, a word that Grant will say, God, you see it every single person in here. You love every single person in here, God. And sometimes that's not always how we feel, Lord. But God, we put our lives in your hands today. We put how we feel in your hands today. God, bring us peace, bring us calm, God, and perhaps a little bit of joy today. Lord God, I pray for all the mamas present here. If this is a roller coaster day for them, God, and the good, the bad, and the ugly, Lord, you made us moms, and you gave us the specific children that we were meant to have, Lord, and thank you for the gift that those children are, Lord. We know that there are situations also that are hard and situations that are just fine, God. God, we put all of these relationships in your hand, God. God, we pray for moms whose hearts are hurting this morning. God, would you comfort them? And also, would there be something where they would feel just, just a little extra love today, Lord? Lord, thank you that um, there's so many wonderful celebrations going on, Lord. Maybe a breakfast has already happened at home, maybe lunch, maybe dinner, whatever it is, tea, coffee. God, would we just take in and let people appreciate us today, God? God, I ask you for the rest of the service, God. Bless Grant and the words he brings this morning. Lord, I pray that um, we would be open to hearing your message that you have given him this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Melody. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. It's a beautiful day. Happy Mother's Day, moms. You know, I was thinking about you know, uh, sermons, Mother's Day, things like that. Typically, I don't, like, take a break from what we're normally doing. Um, 
for like a, a special Mother's Day sermon. I know that sometimes happens. But actually, the message today kind of lends itself pretty well to this day. Um, so I was thinking, first of all, that it's kind of remarkable to think that Jesus, being fully human, uh, had a mom. Jesus had a mother, Mary. Um, and sadly, she's often resigned to the background um, compared to people like Paul and Peter and James and John, all the disciples. Mary's kind of a, a bit hidden sometimes. I know some of that's to do with theology and maybe some parts of the Christian church have elevated that aspect uh, higher and others have kind of pushed against that. But it is a sad thing if we lose that connection uh, to this person, that if she's just in the Christmas play holding the plastic baby with no lines to say, that's unfortunate because there's something remarkable about Mary in that she knew and faced so many of the challenges that women, mothers, face in this world. She had a baby while she was still a very young woman, very young. And actually, that, the birth was considered to be very controversial, that she was, she was pregnant, whether it was promiscuity or adultery. There was probably all kinds of gossip happening about this woman, Mary. And her husband almost abandoned her because of this controversy. Um, she sought as a mom to be faithful, uh, despite what it would cost her, not that she really fully knew at the beginning, as she gave birth under the brutal oppression of, of an occupying force, the Romans were in power, and they could ask anyone to go anywhere at any time, and she traveled a great distance for the census whilst heavily pregnant. Um, she gave birth under, under difficult circumstances. Uh, she received gifts at the baby shower, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Everyone ever received gold, frankincense, and myrrh at their baby shower? Um, you know, she picked her son's name. Well, it, she was told what the name would be. They didn't have a first century baby book, right? But Jesus. Um, she, she was part of her religious community. She observed the traditions. Like, we do baby dedications and things here. She went to the temple and presented Jesus uh, according to her tradition. Her life was threatened by a local king who massacred lots of children in an attempt to, to protect his power. So she ended up fleeing into a neighboring country, into Egypt, a refugee, a young mother escaping. Uh, you know, one time her kid got lost. Anyone's kids ever get lost? So I love that, they, that the Gospels tell us that Jesus got lost one day because I got lost all the time when I was a kid. No, and, um, you know, freaked the family out. You know, she wondered, I'm sure, about what her kid was going to be about when he grew up. A remarkable little guy, but you know, a little guy, nonetheless, like any other kind of boy. He was a fully human child. It seems like she actually lost her husband uh, quite early on. Joseph kind of disappears from the record, and so very likely she was a single parent. You know, she experienced her son leaving home, you know? That's kind of coming up for some of you guys, probably, as folks are graduating and maybe leaving the home and... That's a stressful thing for a mom. And she didn't seem to understand often what her son was doing. Uh, and at times it sounds like she wanted to direct him to the goals that she had for her son, like stop doing what you're doing, come back home. Uh, there was division between her son and other children in the family. That's hard to deal with, isn't it? Siblings not getting along. Uh, and her heart was broken. And, and, and even most painfully, she lost her son her firstborn son at the age of 33 in the most tragic circumstances and ended up being taken in by one of her son's friends into his home to be cared for. It's just amazing thinking about this, this woman in the Bible who is such a, a, such a well-rounded picture of what it means to be a mom. Uh, and last week, Melody actually talked about being a mom. You've had two, almost two Mother's Days, right? Talked about her son, Josh, who we've already seen again. Um... And, and just her role as a mother. And it was all about, what was it about? Does anyone remember? Let's, let's test. What was the point of talking about Mr. Josh? It was, it was his birthday. He was getting awards. What else? Foods. What about foods? Right. Yeah, because the, the writer was saying, you know, you guys should be on a stronger food, but you're still needing milk. So the concept was that Josh is now 13, is no longer a baby, and 
he's grown up. And that's good, and that's normal, and that's natural, and it would be concerning if, if it wasn't happening. Jesus' mother Mary also had the same experience, and the gospel writer Luke records it. He says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And that doesn't mean like his reputation, but actually, you know, also physically, he grew up to be a young man. And so this is what's happening again this week. This next part of Hebrews, we're talking about the same thing. The writer is urging his friends to grow up, to mature, because they were struggling. They were having a hard time. They felt like quitting. They were feeling weary for whatever reason. It's not clear all what these reasons are, but potentially some challenges with persecution and, and just this thing was getting hard. But the writer, he cares about them so much, he wants to try and get to the heart of what might be wrong. And I think sometimes we feel the same way a little bit about our faith. We feel weary and we think, what's missing? Is there something missing? Is there something I'm doing or is there something I'm not doing? So let's read uh, Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 to 12. We'll see if we can figure this out. So here's how he begins. So let's, so following on with the, the talk last time about growing up, so let's press on to maturity by moving on from the basics about Christ's word. Let's not lay a foundation of turning away from dead works, of faith in God, of teaching about ritual ways to wash with water, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment all over again. We're going to press on if God allows it. Because it's impossible to restore people to changed hearts and lives who turn away once they have seen the light, tasted the heavenly gifts, become partners with the Holy Spirit, and tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age. They are crucifying God's son all over again and exposing him to public shame. The ground receives a blessing from God when it drinks up the rain that regularly comes and falls on it and yields a useful crop for those people for whom it is being farmed. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it's useless and close to being cursed, it ends up being burned. But we are convinced of better things in your case, brothers and sisters, even though we are talking this way, things that go together with salvation. God isn't unjust so that he forgets your efforts and the love you have shown for his name's sake when you served and continue to serve God's holy people. But we desperately want each of you to show the same effort to make your hope sure until the end. This is so you won't be lazy, but follow the example of the ones who inherit the promises through faith and patience. <clears throat> so there's some repeated themes in here, and I'm just going to briefly list them throughout the, the, the verses. The first one's pressing on to maturity, the concept of pressing on to maturity, moving on from the basics, better things, and things that go together well with salvation, pressing on to maturity. Where, where's the goal? Where are we heading towards? Well, we're heading to a different place than where we are now. What is beyond the basics? What is maturity? What are these better things that go together with salvation? Well, I'm gonna break it up into three little sections to hopefully make this understandable, okay? And they're, they're kind of words that pastors will throw out to show off and stuff, but they're good words, you know, so we don't like dumb it down. I'm gonna explain what these words mean. There's three words, they both, all three of them begin with the, the, the prefix ortho, like orthodontist, right? Right, or orthopedic. Do you know what that word means? Anyone know what that ortho kind of means? Like it means straight or true, okay? So this prefix with three words. The first one is orthopathy, okay? Orthopathy, like that's like pathos or empathy. So it means feeling, okay? So true or true experience or feeling or emotion. The second one is orthodoxy. You might be familiar with that one, orthodox. Uh, which means true beliefs, okay? We have this thing on the wall here, in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, in all things love. That top part is kind of about this orthodoxy. What are the essentials of the Christian faith that we can uh, intellectually understand and believe? And the last one is orthopraxy, which means uh, right actions or true actions. So different Christian groups all over history and all across the world often emphasize different parts of these. So some are very much about experience, you know, kind of a Pentecostal, charismatic uh, leaning churches very much uh, value the experience. 
Other ones, more about orthodoxy. They care mostly about, I don't care what your experience is like as long as you believe the correct things. And then finally, there are other aspects in parts of Christianity who are all about right action. They're very, very active in doing good. And, but maybe they minimize some of the other ones. But all three of these things are important, and the author wants them to know that these are all valid experiences of Christ, and they're all very important. And being short in any one of them will be detrimental to our life with God. We will fall short of the life that God invites us into. We need all of these things together. So let's look at the first one. Where is this orthopathy thing, true experience in this passage? Well, in verses four to six, it talks about these people who, who have had, uh, um, something has happened, and, and it talks very experientially. They, they've seen the light, okay, so it senses. They have seen the light. Boom, a light bulb came on. You might identify with that. Maybe in your life, there was a moment when it, you just clicked, and you were like, this is, this is real, this is for me. I remember when I was 13 years old, and I was in this, this room with a bunch of other teenagers, and I was a cool kid. I had my heavy metal jacket with patches on it, and I was with the other cool kids. But when they gave an invitation to come forward, all that was forgotten. It was just like, I could not, I had to move. I, something gripped my heart, and I, I literally, it was like, I saw the light. And I, they're like, what are you doing, man? You know, and I'm just like, I walked forward, and I prayed the prayer, right? It doesn't always happen for people like that. This, sometimes it's just this progression. It's slow, it's not sudden, it's not immediate. There's many ways in which people can come to that conclusion, but sometimes it's very much an experiential thing. Tasted the heavenly gift. That's again, senses that there's something. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Tasted God's good word, like the bread. It's so tied to communion, we're gonna do that today. It's a sense of an experience. Um, and the powers of the coming age there's a longing, longing for something that is not what we're experiencing right now, and we all have that within ourselves, and it's an experience. Um, and then this concept of the Holy Spirit. You know, this is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is, is the one that's kind of engaged with this, engages with our hearts and our minds, and there's, there's an experience involved. And so this is a, this is a challenging uh, section though because it talks about those who have tasted and seen who have turned away it is impossible to restore them back to change hearts and lives that can make us really worried go like oh well, am I one of these people am I just having a season of spiritual just kind of stuckness or something or am I turned away am I crucifying God's son all over again exposing him to public shame well I think what he's talking about is truly people who have had an experience and, and, and then abandoned it completely, have just walked away and gone, I want nothing to do with that again. And it's a serious warning. Do you remember, you maybe remember the, the parable Jesus told about a sower, this really rubbish farmer uh, who's throwing seeds everywhere. It's the weirdest thing, right? He's not, usually we get a little furrow when we drop little seeds. Is that how you do it, Rana, garden? Whatever. But like, this gardener's like me, he's just like, oh, I want to get this stupid job, like the teenagers in the garden yesterday, for some of them are just like, man, how much longer are we be in this under the blazing sun? I'm going to sow these seeds right here, you know? But it says that some of them uh, fell on, you know, certain kind of ground, right? And they sprang up quickly, but then the sun came out, and, and he compares that to whatever, the troubles of life, and it just withered, didn't produce any fruit. So that, that's what's happening here. But there is a real sense that these people that he's writing to have experienced, he knows it, he's spoken with them, he's met them, and they've been excited about their faith. And that's important. The second thing is true beliefs, orthodoxy. Let's press on to maturity. So he mentions a whole bunch of, of things that we might think of as, of, as being beliefs, Christ, distinctly Christian beliefs, uh, turning away from dead works to say repentance that's, that's a belief saying, this is no longer good. I'm going to turn, back, turn towards this. Faith in God, that is a, a belief. I have faith in God. Teaching about ritual ways to wash with water, water, which might refer to baptism. That's something that these people would have done. They would have been baptized. The laying on of hands. You know, we don't do that so often anymore, but sometimes we do. When someone is going to go and serve somewhere, we will like lay hands and we'll pray for them. And the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. So he's saying that these are, these are really important, but he wants them 
to not stay there. So don't stay in just this emotional connection because it won't last. Yeah, it's good if you have some concept of what you believe to be true, but neither of those things on their own are apparently good enough. So what is the third one? The third one is orthopraxy, right actions. And uh, we're convinced of better things in your case. And he talks about effort. He talks about service. And he talks about love. And this love is not simply a feeling. He's talking about the kind of love that God has, where love for the, the object of the love will create action. So if I love somebody, I will be compelled to act on their, for their welfare, for their benefit. That's the kind of love that God has. It does not sit back and love from a distance. It comes with and to and for. And he's pointing out that they've done this. They have been, at some point, serving and loving. So, is this maybe missing? Are we missing one of these things? Are we frightened of experience, perhaps? I know when I first encountered like, the Holy Spirit and the concept, I was a bit freaked out by it, you know? It felt like I'm not in control. And that worried me, because I like to be in control at all times. There's this power, there's this supernatural power that can, that can change my insides, change my life, challenge me, convict me. Or are we lacking, perhaps, in understanding what it is that we believe? When we re- say in essentials unity, how many of us could actually say, this I believe to be true? Actually, coming up in a month or so, I'm going to lead five weeks called Christianity 101 um, on Sundays after church. We're going to do five weeks in a row, and it's just basic stuff like this, about God, about prayer, about faith, about serving. These are all important. So how does this happen that we may be deficient in any of these, and in particular, I think sometimes the last one, where my faith makes me act differently, and, it, and I, I actually engage with effort in doing so. Here's what it, it talks about agriculture. I just love that we have a community garden over there because almost every time we got these uh, concepts. I can walk around in the garden and see these things with my own eyes. Hebrews 7, uh, verses 7 and 8 says, The ground receives a blessing from God when it drinks up the rain that regularly comes and falls on it and yields a useful crop for those people for whom it is being farmed. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it's useless and close to being cursed. It ends up being burned. So the concept is, he's comparing the rain that falls on the fields to all that God gives us in terms of whether it's experience or whether it's understanding of the truth. But it's for a purpose. It doesn't just rest there for the ground. It's to produce a crop, to be fruitful, for the blessing to the people for whom it is farmed. And if it doesn't do that, then it it is not achieving at all what it's supposed to be doing. So all of the truths and the experiences that he's talking about are blessings from God which should create fruitfulness in us. The garden we did yesterday, Melody mentioned the student takeover thing. And um, so we were over there for quite a while and it looks very barren right now because we stripped a whole bunch of plants out. It looks a bit sad, but there are seeds below the surface. And just this morning, Rona, worrying about the seeds, she figured the worship team would take a little while to set up, so she went there, got the hose out, and she was watering all of these bare beds. You know, why are you watering earth? There's nothing there, right? But she knows that it is important to keep them moist so they will germinate and they will produce a crop. But what if it didn't happen? What if it didn't happen, right? It just didn't happen? No matter how much water she poured on that place, it just was bare earth. We'd probably turn that into something else, like extra parking. 
or something, right? It's a problem. So it's, it's like there's a, in an area where Jesus taught and lived, there's a body of water you've probably heard of called the Dead Sea. Who's heard, anyone ever been to the Dead Sea? Anyone ever floated? Oh, look at that. Some people, did you float? Because it's, it's got like eight to ten times more salt content than the ocean. So you can float and read a book or a newspaper while floating there. And the reason that it's like that is because it's, it's pretty much the lowest lake on the planet. So the Jordan River flows in, but it doesn't flow back out again. There is no outlet. So the water just evaporates and becomes saltier and saltier and saltier. Actually, it's disappearing. Like three feet a year, it's shrinking, and it may. So go see it soon, because it's going to be gone soon. And this is, this is the issue. It's to take what we are given and to, to give it out. To give it out. Melody, was, we're talking about this message this week, and the pantry had a change in its plan. Sometimes it would be like, well, let's save some of this stuff in case. And Melody was like, we're going to get more. Give it all out, right? What a blessing. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2 explains it this way. This partnership that we work out what God puts in. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I'm thinking about students graduating right now. Who is graduating this year? Macy, anyone else? Who? Katie, yes. What is, huh? Oh, yeah, Maddie's mom graduated. You can teach older folks new things. Well done. Awesome. Yeah, I saw the pictures. Brilliant. Okay, so what does a student do? Uh, these, these categories of, of true experience or feeling and knowledge and works are very clearly part of the work of a student. So I went to seminary in my 40s, and I love reading, I love scripture, I love the Bible, I love people. And that love led me to step into the scary world of a, of a degree in my 40s, which is a lot harder than when you're in your 20s. And I sought to learn. And I was ridiculous, man. I read all the, uh, not, the not only the required reading, but the recommended reading. I read those too. And, you know, it, it was... But I loved it. I was passionate about it. My love led me to want to know more about it, and I still do today. And it led me to act in that way. I did the work. This is what this is all about. Intentionality. To say, this is important. It takes priority in my life. And I have a destination. So graduation is a destination for a student. They say, I'm heading towards this moment, and it's worth the effort, and I'm not going to be lazy. And I think if we could start to think about how that might be for us. I'm going to invite the band up, because this is Mother's Day, and I can't maybe not, not think of a better illustration for this than actually what a mom is all about. Think about Mary and her obedience, faithfulness, perseverance, faith, trust, work, effort, to great cost. Think about the moms that you've known, maybe your mom. I know it's complicated, right? Or moms that weren't your mom, but kind of became your mom. Like, I'm my adolescence, I was a jerk. Mom, if you're listening to this right now, yeah, sorry about that, mom. I was not a happy chappy. And I was just struggling. And, and, you know, it's always that way, man. Because, you know, kids are like, I need you, get away. I need you, get away. I need you, get away, right? This whole season where they just like, they kind of want to be with you, but they want you to just get out of their life, right? And that's hard for parents. It's hard for kids. And up behind my house, one of my friends, Jake, 
his mom kind of became my mom to the point that years later when my mom met his mom, she thanked Jake's mom for being there for me when my mom probably couldn't, right? It was always a cup of tea and always an, uh, a listening ear there. And this is exactly what we're talking about. He's saying that who they are, what they've experienced, what they know, should lead them into love and service. So how does this fit with mothers? Well, first thing, is there a love much fiercer than a mom's love for her kids? That is, that is a love, man. You get in the way of that, watch out. They have the right emotion. They have true emotion. They love their kids. And they have the right beliefs. Is there a, is there a doctrine of motherhood? You know, understanding that this is, this is my child, that is true. I have a responsibility for the welfare of this child, that is true. I don't get a choice here. This is my, it's my passions, my role, this is my identity. Because that's my child, that I am a mother. And then finally, right action. You know, my uh, family, family's had some hard stuff as many of you know, and a lot of things we've been worrying about is guilt, you know, especially parents and things with kids. You go like, if I had not done that or I had done this, well, how would it turn out differently, all that kind of stuff? And again and again, I, I've talked to especially my mom saying, you know, you always did the best that you could with who you were and what was going on at that time in your life. Working it out by trial and error. And so he calls them again to remember the experience of what happened when they met Jesus Christ. Also to remember what they believe to be true and then to let it flow in them, through them, and to persevere with effort in that way. And he talks, so he talks about love and service, but he also talks about faith and patience. And he's gonna talk more about that in Hebrews, talk about what it means to be patient, what it means to have faith. You know, and I really, whatever we have these, these, some of these passages are kind of hard and they can come across something as being like, you need to work harder, do more. But that's really not how this stuff works. It works in the moment, in the momentary choices that we have. This is simply a reminder to say, wow, look at God. Isn't he so good? Doesn't he love you so much? Wouldn't we want to prioritize that in our lives? But I'm going to read something I think is quite comforting about this. It's by a woman named Amy Carmichael. She was an Irish woman who at quite a young age went to India and spent decades and decades serving people in India. And you know, she wrote like 25 books about all that kind of stuff. And to many, she's just this giant of the faith. I could never be like her. You know, her emotional quality of love for God and then her belief and her faith and perseverance and patience and all the work that she has done she must be nothing like me. But here's something that she wrote in one of her books. Sometimes when we read the words of those who be more than conquerors, we feel almost despondent. I feel like I shall never be like that. But they won through step by step, by little bits of wills, little denials of self, little inward victories, by faithfulness in very little things, they became what they are. No one, ever, no one sees these little hidden steps. They only see the accomplishment. But even so, those small steps were taken. There is no sudden triumph, no spiritual maturity. That is the work of the moment. Today, today is a good day. Today is a day to recognize the love that God has for us. And to know that he is sufficient, he is capable, he will use you. When you pray to him, he will answer your prayers. We're going to come to communion now as a means of taking action. Once again, three things, feelings, experience. This is an experiential thing. We're going to have bread and we're going to have this juice and it's going to be taste. Secondly, belief. We're doing this because we believe that Jesus called us to do this to remind us of two things. One, that he has conquered death and given us life. And two, he has brought us into a family. 
into a community and nothing can separate us from him or one another because in Christ we are one. Two things. And then the third thing is action. So they say, amen. This is what I believe. I'm going to come and I'm going to participate in this. So in your own time, there's stations at the back, stations at the front. And I've said a few times, this may be the first kind of step for you in seeking this for yourself. This stuff takes courage, but it's a sim- fairly simple step uh, for a pretty momentous thing to say, God, I need you. I recognize that you love me. And you invite me into a relationship with yourself. And I don't know how it's all going to look. Just like Mary said yes to God. No idea what was going to be happening down the road. We don't know either. But he is faithful. And he invites every one of us to receive that relationship. So when you're on time, come take the bread and the cup. And then uh, return to your seat. We'll take the elements together shortly. anyone uh, need served where they are if anyone would like us to bring the elements please let us know raise your hand and we'll all good <clears throat> give me a tiny bit <laughs> let's just take a glass
Lord God. I thank you that you are for us, not against us. And just as we, we take this bread and it gives strength to our bodies, nourishment, Lord, may your word and your presence nourish our spirits with joy, with hope, with comfort that we need, and with a deep sense of love for you, and a deep sense of the love that comes from you. Lord, open our hearts and our, to be conduits for that love just in small ways. Thank you, Lord. And we take this cup and recognize that in some ways it is a symbol of of death, that Jesus said that this is the covenant, you covenant my blood for the forgiveness of sins, but also is a symbol of joy, of celebration, of life. And just today, thinking about those of us who are mourning on a, on a special day, moms and others whom we have lost, we don't grieve as those who have no hope, but we believe that Christ will return and we will rejoice again and he will wipe every tear from their eye and there'll be no more death or suffering for the old order of ways will have passed away. Lord Jesus, you have done it. We give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. Uh, let's, we stand together and sing.